The Angels and the Astros played three games this weekend. What happened, we'll tell you. Could the Halos get Trey Turner and still keep Anthony Rendon? We'll tell you. And what's up with this media bias against Mike Trout and the Angels, and especially Shohei Otani in this MVP conversation? Well, we'll tell you. You're Locked On with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. You can give us a rate and a review. It helps others to find the pod. You can give a rate and a review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can subscribe, click the bell to be notified every time a brand new episode drops. Hey, what's going on? Thank you for joining us for this edition of Locked On Angels, where it's your team every day. Happy Monday. We hope you had a great weekend. My name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. We are the super halo bros we're lifelong fans of this team and if you're joining us for the first time where you been all season but other than that we're glad that you're here and we're glad that you (laughs) decided to join us (laughs) and and what a time to jump in huh Uh, but we are lifelong fans of this team and it's uh, really great to have you along with us as we talk about our halos and uh, the highs and lows that they put us through and certainly there were some highs and there were some lows this weekend and it all starts on friday as the Angels took on the Astros in Houston. It looked like it was going to be a a good game, but then uh, things got a little out of hand, Mike. Yeah, Lorenzen was back, which was great to see. Yeah, And he was back to the Lorenzen that we were used to at the start of the season. And he had been been on the shelf for about a month, and so he was uh, he was pitching a no hitter for f- the first few innings. Went five and two thirds, three hits, one run, four walks, two Ks, and Johnny he looked really really good. And we were up for a while, but then Andrew Wance comes in and surrenders two runs, and that was the that was the killer. That's what put us put us down, and so right. that was frustrating to see because Lorenzen pitched so so well. The good news was that at the time, Mike Trout hit his fifth straight homer, five straight games, tied the record with Bobby Bonds for the Angels organization, and Taylor Ward hit his 18th home run, John. So uh, Mike Trout was your player to watch this weekend, and he was fun to watch, and then you and I talked about how it'd be great to see Taylor Ward get to 25 home runs, and so here's just another affirmation that the Angels are actually listening to Locked On Angels, and so... (laughs) all the fans you're welcome (laughs) yeah exactly yeah you know we had that conversation about what would it look like for these guys to finish strong and certainly uh they're doing that I mean we wanted Shohei and and Trout to get to 40 home runs and they they certainly did that this weekend they're working their way there and of course Taylor Ward was somebody that we also pegged to finish strong get some more RBIs and possibly get 25 home runs so uh he's at 18 only seven more and they've got a few more games left to do it Saturday was a big win, kind of like last Saturday. I thought it was funny that we lost Friday, won Saturday, lost on Sunday in kind of very similar fashion, except that instead of going to extra innings like we did last weekend, uh, the Angels took this one handedly six to one, and that was a great thing to see. Shohei Otani got the start on the mound. He went five innings pitched, six hits, one run, and seven Ks. It was his 12th win, which, again, finishing strong. We wanted to see him get some more of those wins. And his five starts against Houston this season, listen to this, a 1.23 ERA with 45 
strikeout. So Woo! Shohei continues to dazzle Come as on. he's done all season long, especially MVP, against a really good team. MVP, <laughs> MVP. Especially against a really good team like Houston. So uh, he will be a great weapon for us next season as well. Yeah. Mike Trout, of course, hit that 34th home run, and it was the sixth straight game in which he did so. A new Angels record. I think he's certainly Mr. Angel at yeah. this point. I know that that was Tim Salmon's role for a long time, but with how many charts Trout sits at the top of for the Angels, this is yet another one, and it's great to see him breaking more Angels records. We always are come within striking distance of these great records and these great precedents, and then we, we kind of fall short, so I was... I was worried about getting there. I was worried about seeing him get to five, and then he gets to six. And yeah. So that was great. So remember, I, on Friday, I talked about his issues at Minute Maid Park, struggling with the batter's eye. Well, that was not an he, issue. He had no for issues. Mike Trout this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> no. Absolutely. So that was a that was awesome to see. And then of course Taylor Ward, three hits in this game, being a productive guy once again. David Fletcher left the game with a hand injury originally. MLB on Fox said he broke his hand, but that wasn't true, and the news yeah. was out there. So yeah. give it up to MLB on Fox for messing that up. I blame <laughs> AJ Pruszynski and and the curse of the Angels that he yes. is uh, for us. But uh, and then uh, Otani did leave this game early with a blister issue, which he's dealt with in years past. Somehow hasn't dealt with it all season long, but that's going to happen to somebody who throws the pitches that he throws, especially sliders and sinkers and things like that. That's yeah. going to really wear and tear on your fingers. And you see how much he maintains in the dugout when he's not pitching and he's just hitting. You can see him working on those fingers and, and trying to make sure he's not getting blisters. But it, it did catch up with him in this one. So he did leave a little early, but he still got the win, which is awesome. And then 7Ks, he's going to break that 200K mark by the end of the season, in my opinion. You know, Johnny, I was not thrilled with the MLB on Fox announcers and especially with AJ Pruszynski, his argument <laughs> about the MVP voting was just was stupid and ridiculous. And so <laughs> I, I was glad to see that on Sunday we were back to our boys, uh, Matty V and Gooby were calling the game. And unfortunately Sunday was a tough game to watch. It was 12 to four. We yes. started off so great. We were up three, nothing. And my guy that I was saying, Hey, let's keep an eye on him this weekend. He has the potential to be really good is Tucker Davidson, and he looked good in two innings. And then he had and a then great he two looked, innings. He looked terrible after that, right? And then Mike Myers came in, and he didn't help at all. Five earned runs. You tweeted out from the Super Halo Brothers. Uh, you tweeted out like, let's let's stop this experiment and let's stop yeah. this now, which I agree with a hundred percent because he just he is not consistent, and he's really mm -hmm. kind of a mop up guy. But I really mm -hmm. think he's a mop up guy for a team that isn't really like in contention. So maybe he's perfect for us for this year to just eat up <laughs> innings, but I don't think that he should be on this roster next no. year. But who I am I'm glad is going to be on the roster next year is Shohei Otani because he mm -hmm. hit his 34th home run. And then Andrew Velasquez, John, hit a home run. And here's what's interesting. He's been batting right-handed. And so yeah, we're, the whole series. Yeah. So later on this week, we'll talk a little bit more about that. We want to see if he's going to do it a bit more. But he actually looked really great. He had two hits on Saturday and had a home run on Sunday. And so that's interesting that he's doing that and his batting average is rising. And here's the thing, Johnny. I'm I'm really comfortable with Velasquez at shortstop if he can actually be productive. And so mm. because of his defense, he leads the league at shortstop. 
in defensive run saved. And so it'd be mm-hmm. great to see him actually get a little umph in that bat and make some contact. Angels the new, the struggled. The new Cedric Mullins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. Angels struggled with runners in scoring position, one for 15, and that's what yeah. really did them in. I mean, they had a chance to knock in some runs, and they just didn't do it. But the, the pitching didn't come through for them. So we went one and two this weekend against the Astros, 13 and six overall. But we have, I think, four wins uh, when Shohei has been on the mound. And so yeah. maybe we should just have Shohei pitch every single game. Just make him go like four or five innings and then <laughs> we'll figure it out, right? But Shohei's been dominant. And it's actually, I, th- I think it sets a good precedent for next year. We, we were competitive, especially in this series against the mm-hmm. Astros. The Sunday games were terrible, but we were competitive in the Friday and Saturday games this weekend and last weekend. So I think that that is a good omen for the future. Absolutely. I want to talk real quick about those runners in scoring position because when you get out to a three to nothing lead, against the Astros, you have to keep pouring on. Shohei had got over uh, to third base on a double, and then he was able to get over on a ground out to third base, and he didn't get home. They didn't hit him home. They didn't. They weren't able to get Shohei home. And those are the kind of moments where you have to look at who you're facing and saying, like, we, we can't stop adding on runs. Like, we have to be strategic about this. I realized there was two outs by the time he was over there, but just these guys have to learn to deliver. And the way that they were hitting around Luis Garcia, I mean, good grief. I, 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 it just shows that these guys really need to focus on the hitting in the offseason because that's been the Achilles heel all season long. And they've actually looked pretty good. I mean, they're scoring runs and, and keeping these games competitive. But then going to Mike Myers doesn't help either. No. I mean, the bases were loaded by Tucker Davidson. But Mike Myers comes in. First thing is a grand slam. Later on, three-run home run to Trey Mancini, who was struggling all series long. And and so we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's time to trim the fat with this team. It's time to cut the guys who don't need to be here and give time to players that you really want to see make a difference next season. The the Myers experiment is over to me. Uh, I don't think Jose Marte is ready to be up with this team. Agreed. And so there's a lot of people here that – they are they are doing exactly what you and I have said they should be doing. Taking a look at players and and seeing what they have and what they'll uh, their strategy will be for next season. But and I know it sucks to lose, but by this point you got to realize Mike Myers is not the guy. Jose Marte is not the guy. Um, Andrew Wance, I know he gave up the the go ahead home run. He's been solid this season, and so these guys are going to make mistakes, and we saw that in Wance's case. So I have much more sympathy sympathy for a guy like him than for a guy like Mike Myers to come in and there it goes. Right. (laughs) Grand slam over the wall. Gone. Hey, coming up on Lockdown Angels, if Trout keeps up this home run pace, does that put him in the MVP conversation? We're answering that question and more because it is Mailbag Monday. But first, Lockdown Angels is brought to you by LinkedIn. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. And LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million 
million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word about that you are hiring and so that your network can actually help you to find the right people. And then there's simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire. And this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs is here to help you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn every single week? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. And remember, some terms and conditions do apply. Thank you for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We also appreciate you getting into our mailbag, Mike. We've got two voicemails this segment and then a, a couple of questions from a listener whose message I found in our inbox a week later. So as an apology, we're going to get to his message as awesome. well. But let's go to this voicemail right now. Jim from Anaheim. Hey, guys. Can't wait for the Monday recap. Are you guys still watching this game? Because the announcers had a, uh, a great line. Call the ball, Maverick. Love the Angels, but uh, just hard to watch them implode night after night. Then you get this uh, 34 and 99 games for Trout, home runs. And then you pull up their team salaries, and it jumps right off the page at you. You realize that, you know, he's the only only player on the team. you got uh, Rendon with 158 games in three seasons and then Shohei, and then really the cast of clowns that uh, this coaching and um, staff has to work with and that the scouts uh, routinely send our way has just been horrible. When you have teams like Tampa Bay and Seattle putting and Baltimore quickly rebuilding and putting together teams year after year, you're like, what is going on? Jim from Anaheim, can't wait to hear tomorrow morning. See ya. Jim, thanks for the call, my friend. We appreciate that. I, I, I like what he had to say about how excited we get over Trout. You know, 34 home runs, 99 games. And it's like, man, can we just get that guy to play a full season? Can right. we get these guys that we signed for all this money to play a full season for That once? cast of clowns. Like Jim, <laughs> yes, my, and the cast of clowns that support them. <laughs> you know, he makes an interesting, interesting point about the support staff around our heavy hitters like Trout and Otani and how quickly teams like Tampa Bay, they always just seem to crank out star after star after Mm -hmm. star. But he also mentioned Seattle and Baltimore building quickly and putting teams together. So I pulled some stats here. Seattle in 2016, they went uh, 86 and 76. They were in second that year. That was the first full DePoto year. Yeah. 2017, they were third with 78 and 84. 2018, they were third, 89, 73. (laughs) Tells you how good the AL West was when you're, third place but you're 78 and 84 right. in 2017 yeah. <laughs> 2019 they were fifth and then i skipped 2020 the 2021 season they were 90 and 72 and my theory is seattle saw what they had in a team last season they were like hey we got 90 wins yeah like, where did that come from they just missed the postseason and they went out and they fixed what's wrong and made some great moves in the offseason they made some great trades in the middle of the season and and for me the last like good year that the Seattle Mariners had before they kind of went through these struggles 
of third place, third place, fifth place. Was that 2016? It was really like old guard. It was it was uh, Robinson Cano and and players like that and and uh, Seager over at third base. So they've gotten away from that in recent years, and they got away from it quickly. They brought up their young core and they built around that young core. True. Baltimore. He mentioned they lost the wild card game after going second in the AL East in 2016. Then 17 through 21, except for 2020, fifth place. Yeah. So Baltimore has been in the cellar every year. But they're having the kind of year that Seattle did last year where they realize, oh, our young core is good to go. And I believe that if Baltimore puts the right pieces in place, that they could be a much more competitive team next season. But all that to say, Mike, you had some notes here. All of that to say what at the end of the day about our team? <laughs> I think it's I think it's time to really go with the core. <laughs> I think it's time to actually yeah. put some investment in those young guys. And I think that that's the tension that we're all riding, right? We're, we're riding the tension of, is Ohapi ready? Is these young guys like Chase Silseth, are they ready? And and mm-hmm. I think what we're seeing with what Baltimore did and what Seattle did is they took a they took a chance and and mm-hmm. the Rutschman who plays catcher for mm-hmm. the, uh, the yeah he he has been the fire starter for the Orioles mm-hmm. he's been the guy that has helped them to win games and so it might be that it's it's time for us to uh, trim the fat as you would say yeah. John right yeah now here's why we really are kind of wondering if our team is ready for this a lot of these young guys our core is in double a right now mm-hmm. and so that's where it's like do we do we go one more season and and try to fill the gaps? And then see what happens in 2024? Or do we go Mm. with this young core team and allow them to try to figure it out with a Trout on the team and with Otani on the team? And I'm of the opinion, man, especially with our contract situation with Otani and all of the money that we have out there with Rendon and with Trout, it probably would be a really wise move to go with some of these young athletic players in the minor mm. leagues. I mean, ohoppy has got 10 home runs in 16 games, something like that. He's yeah. been tearing it up. And then other players that are down there have been tearing it up. So I think, Johnny, it might be time to trim the fat, get rid of Myers, Toussaint, Jose Marte, as you mentioned, and, and go with some of our young core and give them the opportunity that they have earned, let them win a championship as the Trash Pandas, and then bring up who you need to bring up no matter the contracts that you've signed, I don't care if Stassi has a long-term deal, it's time to put Ohapi and maybe even like a Chad Wallach mm. in there because those guys are ready, in my opinion, to really make an impact in the major leagues. The Epler years, to me, were pointless because yeah. the young core that we have now is what Perry has been able to do mm-hmm. in two years, mm-hmm. and that's really impressive. So I look forward to seeing what he can do in the next two years. Hey, let's go to another voicemail here, Mike. Hey, Mike. Hey, John. Thanks so much for the podcast, the passion that you guys um, bring to it. This is Tracy from Henderson, Nevada. I listened to the uh, Joe Madden podcast that you guys had, had talked about this week, and I found it really interesting. And it, it just it concerns me that when you have a general manager and an assistant that is on a daily basis in the manager's office telling them how to use his bullpen and with, with all the analytics and whatnot, and I truly believe that there's got to be a separation of duties. I think the general manager is responsible for the roster. That includes a lot. That includes, you know, your 40-man roster, your minor leagues, your draft, your trades, so on and so forth. And I think he should be giving analytic information to the manager for his uh, review. But I think 
the manager needs to take that roster that's given to him and being able to manage that team um, and to do what's best with those 25, 26 guys that he has without interference. Saying all that, I also think that Phil Nevin should be given the opportunity to manage this team for a whole year, to have his own spring training. Let Phil Nevin manage. Let Phil Nevin put his own staff together and uh, see what, what he can do. This is a roster that um, is not a contending roster right now. So this is a roster that needs a lot of improvement, and I think that's where Perry ought to um, focus all of his energies on and let the manager manage. So um, this is for Mailbag Monday. I'm not venting. I'm just telling you the way that I feel. Thanks, guys. Go Angel. Terry, it's always good to hear from you. Sorry, Tracy. <laughs> Tracy from Henderson, Nevada, of course. But Mike, uh, I think he makes an excellent point about letting a manager manage yeah. and Perry needs to do his job. I, I Honestly, what I think happened here, Tracy, is Perry went out and got this bullpen and spent a lot of money on it and Joe Madden mismanagement, mismanaged it. Yeah. And Perry had a lot to say about it. Joe Madden had a lot to say about it. And it's making them both look bad at the end of the day. And I think if you're Perry Manassian, I really think that the bullpen is the sticking point of the conversation here because Perry spent all that money on it. He And, and so when he sees how poorly, and you and I observed, lots of fans observed how we were frustrated with Joe Madden's bullpen decisions. Right. I think that's when Perry decided to step in and say, here's what you got to do. And, and for Joe, all he kind of took away from that was, well, Perry's trying to tell me how to manage. But what Joe was doing wasn't working, right. right? And so, especially at the money that he spent on the bullpen, there's no reason Joe should have run into the trouble he did and and get into the losing streak that he did. Mike, what do you think about Phil Nevin for next year? I don't know if I like that move simply because I just don't think that Phil's, Phil's the guy that hmm. Perry wants to be in the dugout. And I think that that's why there was tension between him and Joe Madden. I think that Phil probably could be a really good manager, but you only check in and micromanage, so to speak, hmm. when you don't trust the people that are in charge. Oh, and I think that Perry doesn't trust Joe, or at least Joe did something that caused him to go, nah, bro, we're not doing it this way. Hmm. And I think Phil Nevin has managed a bit differently probably because he knows that maybe this isn't a long-term thing for him. He's not trying to get a job with the Angels. Maybe he's trying to get a job somewhere else. But I just don't think that Phil's his guy. And and maybe maybe he is and things will change and things will pivot. But I really am convinced that Perry's got to get a guy who is on the same page with him. And then he can give him those analytics and then trust that manager to do what is right. But I think you're right. He checked in with Joe because after a while he was like, Joe, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? The Halo brothers are mad at you on Locked on Angels, right? <laughs> and so I think that <laughs> Exactly. There was a lack of trust there, no matter what you want to say or how you want to how you want to twist it there was a lack of tr a trust there even though Madden was a longtime angel guy and I think that you got to get the guy that Perry wants so that this team can actually function at its highest level this is my apology for missing Abel Aguilera's message in our inbox hey guys I'm a huge fan of y'all watch your all's episode every single day huge angel fan had a couple questions uh, please make me feel better about Otani staying I'm super worried <laughs> are they going to resign him uh, with already potentially selling, does that hurt the chances of re-signing Otani? And then, with the possibility of, like, Trey Turner or Dansby Swanson, uh, with how much money we have invested in, like, Rendon and potentially Otani and even Trout, 
is there a possibility we can get those guys? So, Mike, make Abel feel better about Otani staying next year. <laughs> Abel, Otani's going to resign, and I'm going to say that loud and clear, and I'm going to be confident about that. He's going to resign because this team is valuable with Otani on it, and new owners are going to want Shohei Otani on this team, and they're going to spend the money for Shohei Otani. He is Steph Curry of the Golden State Warriors, right? He is the great running back, great quarterback of the Rams. Both Kroenke and LaCobb are interested in the in the Angels. So Otani's the guy. You want him on this team, and I'm confident that he will be with this team in the near future and will sign a long-term deal. And I don't think that that this is going to hurt the potential of the trade, especially if there is a group from Japan that's interested in buying this team. And so they're going to want Shohei there, and they're going to want him there for a long time. So they're going to pony up the money. And so I think that it would be it would be stupid to not re-sign this guy. And the good news is, is that we could put him on a one-year arbitration deal and make it $40, $50 million next year. And then it would give the team an opportunity to re-sign him during the season or potentially in the offseason. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to re-sign him this offseason. And I think that we're going to be pleasantly surprised at Shohei's contract. I don't think it's going to, it's going to break the bank, but I think it's going to be strong. But it's going to be because it's going to make this team really, really valuable. So, Abel, everything is going to be all right. (laughs) (laughs) And then in terms of getting a big free agent like Danzy Swanson or Trey Turner, uh, they said that they are going to keep this team competitive. Now, that just might be flowery speak to appease us fans. But what you don't want to do is compromise the Angels' stature in terms of the kind of team that they are. You have your superstars. You want to continue to have superstars. Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, superstars. They would fit right in on this team. I don't think that you want to do any moves that are going to jeopardize how much this team could possibly sell for at the end of the day. So, and plus, Artie, once he's once he's sold it, he's done. And so, if he can right. get somebody to a deal, it's somebody else's problem at the end of the day. So that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But I think I think there's a possibility to get there's lots of there's lots of free money out there now with Upton off the books and and Rysel's gone and and we have a good starting, you know, base but so that we can add yeah. an arm or two as well. Johnny, we have more. We have more uh, great, great voicemails, and one comes from Terry in Honolulu. You want to play that one? Hey, super hello, brothers. This is Terry from Honolulu. I just watched your latest on YouTube. Uh, more problems for the angels. Yes, worries, uncertainties, difficulties. Yes, but these are the things that present us with opportunities. Do not ever give up hope. My question for you tonight is, regarding the MVP race between Otani and Judge, uh, seems that many analysts have prematurely predicted Judge as the clear-cut winner. We cannot get into the minds of all the baseball writers of America and their voters, but I do think it's possible that we may witness a historical event a co-MVP this year. And do you think it would be something that would satisfy both arguments for these two amazing players? I know that it is highly unlikely. It would need to be a tie in votes. It's not going to occur. It's only happened once in history, I believe. 
But would it not be amazing to witness this, another historic event involving Shohei? Two amazing athletes, two amazing seasons, both given respect. It would honor both and would not diminish their, their great legacies in any way. I, I just want to know what your opinions on that is, what you think the, the chances are of this happening, and what you would feel if we get to witness this. Okay, that's it. Terry from Honolulu. Terry from Honolulu. Thank you so much for your voicemail, Mike. Whenever there's a problem in my life, I'm going to call Terry from Honolulu because he just has a way of making it all feel better, right? Am I right? I, I, love, I, loved, I loved what he said. There's, yes, there's worries. Yes, there's uncertainties. Yes, there's difficulties. But there's always an opportunity for hope. Terry, I love you it. spoke to my soul, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I looked it up, and of course, the only co-MVP in history was from 1979, the NL MVP between Keith Hernandez and Willie Stargell. And they that was a really interesting situation because Keith Hernandez was clearly the better player of the two. In fact, they didn't have war back then, but their war, Keith Hernandez's war was 7.6. According to baseball reference, Willie Stargell was 2.5. But what happened oh, was wow. Stargell got hot and helped the Pirates get to the postseason. And then he had an incredible postseason run to help the Pirates win that Momentum, year. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that was uh, an interesting case. And there was also an, a first place MVP vote. I wish I could remember the name. But it should have gone to either Hernandez or Stargell. It went to somebody else, and that's what caused the tie. So I hadn't even considered, what if there is a voting tie between Aaron Judge and Shohei Otani? I wouldn't be mad about it. In fact, I'll say it right now. If Shohei Otani doesn't win the MVP, I am not going to be upset and throw a fit and yada, yada, yada. Because, obviously, Judge is in contention for the MVP for a reason. I just think that... Shohei deserves as much of a look as Judge has been getting from the media. John, we got another question from Scott Freeman. He said, hey guys, love the show. Wondering if we could talk about the, oh, the media bias handing oh, Judge the AL MVP. <laughs> and so his his questions are like, hey, what about this? And and would this be, would this be a problem if if they gave it to Otani over Judge, why does the media move in his direction? And I think that the problem that we are hearing about is that Judge is on the East Coast. He's in New York, and more eyes are on New York than they mm-hmm. are on Anaheim. And Shohei has been a gift to Southern California, but the reality is is that more eyes will be on Judge. And he's having an incredible year, and the Yankees are really having an incredible year. I know they've struggled in August and some in September, but I mean, when you have 55-plus home runs, that's going to catch people's attention. I think the thing that we need to pay attention to with Shohei, though, is that he is doing unprecedented things. Yeah. And so if they had an MVP and maybe a most outstanding player, this argument would be easy to solve. Shohei's the most outstanding, and Aaron Judge is the MVP, right? But I do think that in light of what you've just said and in light of the, the call from Honolulu, like it would be remarkable to have a tie. It would be remarkable to have both of these guys win it. And again, I'm with you. If Shohei doesn't win, I'm not throwing a fit. I'm not going to be upset about it. But I do think that if he isn't close to the top, if it isn't close to being a tie, then I think that he was robbed because Shohei is having such a great year and we're not even done with the year yet. Yeah. Okay. Two things. Number one, I disagree with you on the outstanding player thing. I think Otani deserves MVP. I don't think anybody should, should take it from him. Like I said, if it ends up 
that he doesn't get it. I'm not going to get pissed off or anything, but I, I think that he deserves it. Second, I think that the media needs to be careful about how much they chase awards and how much they want to reward players who are chasing awards. Case in point is Miguel Cabrera beating Mike Trout over the MVP because he got the triple crown back yes. in yeah, 2012. And if you look at what Trout brought to the field, I mean, Trout, I think, had 45 stolen bases that season, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And the accumulation of all the things Trout was doing on the field, like not everybody was paying attention to war back then. Now, at the end of the day, I think Miguel Cabrera definitely deserves that MVP, and Triple Crown is nothing to sneeze at. But there were so many people willing to write off Mike Trout because Cabrera had the Triple Crown. And this chasing the home run race, which you know, all of a sudden the goalpost is moved and now we're going after a, a clean 61 home runs rather than yeah. than the 72 home runs. I think we're award chasing again. I think we're record mm. chasing again. And, and it reminds me of the Miguel Cabrera conversation back in the day. Mike, if uh, this is from just underscore Eric on Instagram, if Mike Trout keeps up this pace, is there enough time to make an MVP push for Mike Trout? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, heck yeah. Just, just throw him in there, right? Let's do, let's do uh, co, co, co MVPs. Judge, Otani, and Trout. The thing is, is that if Trout, if Trout goes on this torrid pace and he gets to 40, 45 home runs by the end of the year, like it, it's just going to be like one of those things where I'm just going to be an annoying Angel fan I and know. get on Twitter and go, Mike Trout deserves this. Have you seen his stats? <laughs> <laughs> it just goes to show if he had a full season, he would be in the race as well. We had that conversation. He'd have back 80 home runs. Issues. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Mike, King Panda one says, hey, Super Halo Bros, what's your opinion on Taylor Ward's base running? I He's been thrown out more than anyone I can remember trying yeah. to stretch obvious singles into doubles that aren't very difficult. What do you think about that? I know what he's referring to. That was Ward hit one out to Jordan Alvarez and uh, was trying to stretch it to a double. To me, it looked like it should have been a double. I don't know why he was chugging around. I don't know if Jordan just got behind that one. What do, what do you think about Taylor Ward and his base running? Taylor Ward has that Garrett Anderson vibe about him where it looks like he's not hustling at all. And I know Garrett Anderson is a Halo Hall of Famer, or at least should be, and Taylor Ward is not. He's still young. But Taylor has that, like, he's got a he's got a hustle, and there doesn't seem to be a hustle. And it's ever since he ran into that wall, Johnny, it just seems like everything about his game is about 75%. Mm-hmm. And so maybe he's not healthy. I don't know. But, like, Taylor, we, we got we to gotta ratchet it up a little bit, bro, because... <laughs> this is this is the type of stuff that people are paying attention to when you've got guys like Walsh and Velasquez and Fletcher who are hustling, Otani and even Trout who was supposed to retire because of his back is hustling. <laughs> you don't look very good on that on that ball field. So we we got to we got to fix that, bro. To me it was more of an awareness thing. It's it's yeah. you, you not realize Jordan is out in left field cuz he's usually DHing, but in this case he was in the outfield, so Maybe he just wasn't situationally aware. Maybe that's the case here. But last question, Mike, DKN36. Hey, guys, if you could build an all-star Angels team, who would be your starting nine? Ooh. That sounds like a good topic for a future episode, honestly. Yes. I want to spend Agreed. some time with that. Um, Agreed. Especially in the off season when there's not a lot of Halo news. I think that that's something that we could jump into for sure. So, yes, DKN36 will definitely do that. We'll make it a full episode just for you. 
my friend. Well, thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. Now make your second listen to Locked On MLB Podcast with Paul Francis Sullivan. Brings his humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and shares some of the biggest stories from around the league. You can follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked On MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, give us a follow like our mailbag listeners did at Locked On Angels on Twitter and, of course, at Super Halo Bros on Twitter and Instagram so you can keep up with us wherever you are. Mike, what do we have on deck for tomorrow's show? Well, Anthony Rendon has been participating in defensive drills and looking good, so if he's healthy, should he come back this season? We'll tell you why this actually is a really good idea tomorrow on Locked On Angels. Looking forward to that conversation. Until then, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And we appreciate you tuning in, and we will see you back here for more Locked On Angels.